With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This week's episode is brought to you by the 10-time Emmy Award-winning Outstanding Reality Competition Program, The Amazing Race. With the world as their soundstage, the race will soon embark on its 31st trip around the world. Over the past 30 seasons, teams have traveled to more than 88 countries and nearly 1 million miles. For your Emmy consideration in all categories. Hi, welcome to Remote Controlled, Variety's TV podcast. I'm Deborah Birnbaum. Every week, we'll bring you conversations with some of the best and brightest in television, working behind and in front of the camera. On, on today's episode, we're talking about The Amazing Race with executive producers Bertram Van Munster and Elise Delganieri. Stay tuned. Hi, I'm Deborah Birnbaum, and it's my pleasure to welcome back the executive producers of Amazing Race, Bertram and Elise. Thank you. Thanks. Good to be here. Thanks, you guys, for joining us. Happy to be here. So you just wrapped season 30. You're going into season 31. How, how do you do it? How do you keep the show fresh? New ideas, new approach, different countries, different backgrounds, different uh, cast members. You know? So cast members, of course, are important. We're very fortunate that you know the, the landscape of the world is so vast that we have so many opportunities of places that we can go and drop our contestants into that um, it seems endless, the possibilities for every episode and every season. And I think that's what keeps keep viewers coming along. Yeah, I must say, season 30, we really hit it out of the ballpark. It was, it was, it was really a big, big success. We went in there with renewed enthusiasm, one more time, full on, because we were a little bit on hiatus for a few months, and, uh, and that re-energized us. And we came up with really, really good concepts, good ideas, and just outrageous moments uh, around the globe. So. What was it about season 30 that worked so well for you? Oh, I think because we were off the air for a little while, the viewers, the fans, everybody was really hungry for another season to come back. And so when the announcement came out that we'd come back for season 30, people were very excited. CBS did an amazing job promoting the show. And the other thing that was so wonderful about it is that we went to some new places we had never been to before. And probably one of the best things is our time slot. They gave us a Wednesday night at 8 which really made a huge difference because families, again, could sit down in real time and watch the show when it was on. Yeah, time slot, the new time slot was absolutely key to the success of the show. There's no question about it. So if you bury it, you know, it's, it's always difficult. But we had a we're on Wednesday night, 8 o'clock, so it was superior. That's amazing in this day and age of everyone wanting to stream and watch whatever they want, that it's still a family destination. It's still appointment television for you guys. We thought the same thing uh, because, like a lot of people, like you said, people just record everything now. But for families, sometimes at the end of a day, the homework's done, dinner's done, let's sit down and watch something, you know, and relax at the end of the night and watch something really fun as a family. So people really do tune in to those shows that they want to watch in the moment because they want to get it when it's happening for the very first time. Yeah, I hear a lot of people working on exciting shows, but they never know where to find them or where to see them. And that's kind of generally the the consensus, you know. When was your show on? On what? Where was it? <laughs> it's a little bit to search. So, 
So we we are very grateful that we're on CBS at eight o'clock on a Wednesday evening. That's that's really the, the time slot, you know. Do you think you'll get that time slot again when for season thirty-one? Uh, it looks like it. It feels like it. I think uh, CBS also saw the value in that, and we have an incredible support at CBS for the show. That they absolutely love the show, so they really did everything they possibly could do to give it a, a big push for this for last season, for season thirty, and I think that's going to continue. What were the, some of the twists that worked particularly well for you in season 30? Oh, we had, you know what, that was another thing. You know, you want to come back fresh and exciting and, and people always want something new and we try to come up with really fun things. We did something called a head-to-head, which was, you know, I think overall it was accepted fairly well and then there were some things, some people that were like, no. Um, but it is sometimes fun to go a little bit off format and it, it was basically a task where two teams would compete against each other, we had something called Patonk. We had two head-to-heads last season. Patonk, which was a game you had, like bocce ball, you have to throw a ball and get it closest to a small ball. And if you won that match, you could continue on or check in with Phil on the mat, which is the way we did it, because the last team to lose that head-to-head challenge was eliminated. Now, it was pretty, you know, pretty harsh, pretty exciting, um, but... It was it was a great challenge. We also did um, besides the baton, French fries. We did a frit race where they had to go in these French fry costumes in Belgium, and they raced around pushing giant bags of <laughs> potatoes, and um, it worked really well. It was a lot of fun. It was you know it was nail biter every single time, and so that was new and original. And we also the other thing that we did that was original was we did a partner swap for the first time for one leg of the race in when we were in Zimbabwe. And we did that for a short time, and that worked out really well, but I think the head-to-head was the one that got us the most tweets and eyeballs and people saying, what are you doing? This is crazy. It's awesome. I don't know. You know, got a it lot of It was interesting how we, because I was, I was scouting early in the morning in Antwerp, in Belgium, and I see this guy pushing this cart with all these French fries on it. I mean, it's really, really heavy. I, so I woke up to him and I said, where do you get this stuff? He said, well, we are the suppliers to everybody in Antwerp for the French fries. So that's how we developed the French fry race. It's, we call it the fifth annual French fry race, but it, is, it, it was never done before. So <laughs> right in the center of, of Antwerp, the old, old Antwerp from the 12th, 13th century, we created this race between these, these, um, these French fries guys. It was, it was absolutely hilarious. How much do you pay attention to what fans say on social media? Is that something you take into account when you're putting the show together? We really do look at that. We, you know... I have a Twitter account, and Bertram does, and when the shows are on, I'm tweeting. Um, I know that Phil gets a lot of feedback. We get a lot of feedback. The network does their own feedback assessment. And so we do take it into account, but we also um, you know, try to keep the show fresh and new. So sometimes people don't like what we do, but it, we tried it, and maybe it didn't work or it worked, and we want to try something different again. So every season, we're always looking at new things to try. Really surprises, surprise the audience. Of course, yeah. it's. I mean, the audience is, of course, our clientele, but yeah. uh, we keep it really fresh and unexpected as much as possible. Otherwise, you can stay on the air for 31 seasons. I mean, if you do the same thing over and over again, you know. So, uh, but uh, there's, you know, we're also looking for a lot of humor in the show at all times, you know, because people want to laugh. People want to have a good, good laugh. The other uh, thing so is you want, serious. you want something big in every episode, and it doesn't always have to be like a bungee jump. It can also just be a shocking moment where, oh my gosh, this is gonna, this is a head-to-head. It's gonna, someone will be eliminated if you lose this. So it's these moments that really take 
people who've been watching the show for so long, um, you know, taken by surprise, and also the contestants, because we've been on the air for a while, and contestants always like to come in saying, I'm ready, I've trained, whatever you throw at me, I can do, and then you throw something like this at them, and they're just like, whoa. I, I never imagined in a million years. Well, that this because would ever you happen. know, because the show is not claustrophobic by any means. You know, we running around the globe in this show on the Amazing Race. You have to interact with local people. You have to interact with taxi drivers. You have to deal with foreign language. You have to deal with different climates. One day you're in the hot and you're in the humidity. The next day you're in, in central Siberia, running around in a, in a bikini in the in Novosibirsk. So, we there's a lot of aspects that people don't expect. You say, "Wow, it looks easy." But yeah, it's easy when you're in one spot. It's easier. You don't have to interact. You don't have to look for a taxi. With us, it has all the other dimensions that are, that other reality shows uh, lack. You know, so because I would imagine the contestants come in thinking like, "Oh, I've watched the show. I've seen this. I know how to win this. I'm going to be fine." So it's up to you guys to sort of pull the rug out from under them. That's right. What we but do. there's people yeah. showing up with muscles this big. I said, "You don't need those muscles because all you need, all you need, yeah, you have to have a decent, you have to be in decent uh, physical shape, and you have to be uh, logical in what you do, uh, because the, the, the size of your muscles have nothing to do with the race. This can, this race can be won by anybody. We, we definitely make the race harder." It's, you know, mentally harder, physically harder. In every way, we've definitely ramped it up. And every season, we know that people do watch the show, so they, they know a little bit of what to expect. But, you know, we like to really surprise them. You, but you cannot expect to sail in a sailboat that is as long as you are. We did in the south of France, in Saint-Tropez. Everybody said, oh, we're going to Saint-Tropez, you know, where all the big yachts are. And we found the little, the smallest boat called the Optimist, and had them sail around a buoy. It was one of the more funniest sequences we've ever shot, you know, besides the cheese hill in, in uh, Switzerland. But we have guys that were bigger than the boat and fit in there, and they had to sail around the buoy. It was just fantastic. So you can never expect that to show up. So what makes for a good contestant? What makes somebody someone who's going to win at this? Um, what I've noticed, it's usually people who get along really well but are super, super competitive. So there is, they'll do anything to win. They want to win. They're super driven, and they get along. So they make decisions really quickly, and they read their clue, <laughs> which is something like really trips people up. You read the clue wrong, you do one wrong thing, and you're set back by 50, 20, 15, 20 minutes. So people who get along well and... Um, Generally, although we had, a, we had a, a team years ago that absolutely didn't get along and still won. <laughs> I, mean, <it> was, <laughs> I mean, so it's... The general. great thing is, for me, the show is a success when I don't know who's going to win this race. We never have any clue... They can be in first in one one element and one, one uh, segment of the show, and they can be last in the next one, and can be eliminated or win the race. It's it's uh, really really surprising uh, how this how this flows. Which winner has surprised you the most? Ooh, who surprised us the most? Um, you know what? There was a season when we had the the candy scientist girls, and people really under, uh, underestimated them because they were. They're scientists. These these two girls, and you know, they didn't stand out in any way. They weren't like super muscular, super fit, but they just kind of stayed under the radar and they played the game well. They were super smart for sure, um, and ultimately they wound up winning. And that was a huge surprise for all of us, the candy scientists, the two girls, including the other contestants. You know, they, they think, how oh, is this possible that they can win? We but it also takes a dosage of luck. As you go in, as you go through life, you need luck too. You know, so this is really a reflection on 
on life in a three-week compartment, really. And what about on the flip side of that? Were the contestants that came in very cocky that never made it to the finish line? Well, we oh, had, yeah. yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you have people that come in, so I can do this, you know. They were, and and, uh, and I always warned them. I said, the, the, within 24 hours, you can be eliminated. So it's going to be a devastating. So people think they can go kind of slow or kind of move move along or observe the situation. They could, they could lose this very easily, no matter how competitive they are. You can never let so your we had people down. really, really eliminate in the first leg. So everybody gets any somebody gets eliminated in the first leg, no matter what happens. So I mean, uh, I will I say most mm, uh, everybody comes in thinking they're going to win. You ask every single one, "I'm going to win. We're going to win. We're the best. We're, we're better because we're this. We're this. We're that. We've done this. I was a flight attendant. I was a police officer. Whatever it might be, they all think that they've got the leading edge over everyone else. But you know, you get on a plane and you land in Zimbabwe, and the playing field is evened out very quickly. Yeah. I never forget. I never forget the team that we absolutely. They had never been anywhere. They took an. They took a flight f with an airline that has only one airplane, and they flew through Gabon in Libreville in, in Africa. And they were the first one to arrive in Paris long before anybody else. And they had no clue how this all happened. And neither did we. We didn't even know the existence of that one airplane. <laughs> so, so you know, you have to be lucky. The interesting thing also I see that a lot of people don't know where they are, what country they're in. It's amazing. You say, we go to Africa, we're in Ghana, they fly to Ghana. What country are you in? Uh, they look at you like, I don't know, Africa? Egypt? No, you're not in Egypt, you're in Ghana. Or um, cities, they don't know what city they're in. They say, oh, Rotterdam. Rotterdam is in the country of Amsterdam. I mean, it's the most surprising stuff. And they go around the world and are completely unaware where they are. We also spin them around pretty good, so it's, you know, we all get home and say, where were we after those 24 days or 23 days on the road? It's like, you don't have to really think back and say, okay, we started off in Iceland, or we started off here, and then we went. It, it, it's so fast and so furious. It's that a time warp, really, yeah, you know? I'm sure, yeah. And that's the idea, that, you, that when they come back and they sit on the couch at home, they, they look at each other and say... Was this a nightmare or a dream? <laughs> what was this? Did this what really, happened? Were we really in India, in New Delhi, three days ago? You got to, or were we in Moscow in the Red Square? No, I didn't feel like it, you know? So how then do you approach casting? Do you prefer using people that the audience knows or strangers that are going to be you know, doing this for the first time? I would say I'll speak different for, opinions. Yeah, I'll speak for Bertram and myself, and and um, say that we really love using contestants that have never been on the show, or using casting contestants that have never been on the show. Uh, someone that everybody can relate to: an aunt, an uncle, a brother, a sister, best friends, mom and son, father and daughter. Different ages. You know, that's kind of our traditional format that we started off with. That that. I feel is the heart and soul of the show, um, but there is something to be said about you know bringing you know celebrities or people from different shows on that adds another element that there is value to that and there is interest in that and you know you know it's it's a it's a it's a negotiation it's a discussion with CBS and and ultimately we have to agree on what we're doing but. I think all of our cast so far have been pretty amazing, and I know when people want to see more of something, it might be because they know one somebody who's been on the show before, or that they want to be on the show. So there's always a backstory, but there's ultimately a pro, we there's want a pro to and con, and a lot of people have not seen those people before because when you've been on the air that long and you start plugging people from different shows or from your own show, they maybe they didn't see season 22. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it, so yeah, there's there's good and bad about everything. 
But um, my feeling also, all walks of life between 20 and 75 years old. <laughs> <laughs> so how then are you approaching season 31? I've heard some rumors about who may or may not be cast. Anything you were willing to talk about? Well, we, we'd like it to be a surprise, unfortunately for us right now in this room, but we'd like it to keep it a surprise, and I think it's going to be a good surprise. Yeah. It's going to be, it's, it's original. We have seen all the rumors out there, too. I'm following them all on Twitter. And I would say the 90% rule. Yeah, you know, it's, it's interesting. I do love that there's a buzz out there, that people are excited about what the cast is going to be, so that just tells me that people are excited to know about The Amazing Race, what are we doing for season 31, so... It's, it's great, and I know that we are probably going to be announcing the start location and yeah. want to bring a big crowd again. I'm sure CBS will announce that when that's finalized. Um, so we hope that people turn up and well, share. We have fantastic on. following. I mean, there's no question about it. People have been just so fun and so generous and so kind and so discreet in general over the many, many years we've been, we've been doing this show. So uh, we are eternally grateful to them, no question about it. Do you have other twists, new things that you're going to be introducing ahead, planned ahead for season 31? We do. We definitely have some new twists. Um, again, we can't talk about them. Oh, <laughs> uh, you can talk about them. It's just us here. Yeah. So um, we do have some new ideas, things that no one has seen before that we came up with specifically for this season. Um, and you know, they're gonna. It's gonna be super fun and exciting. And yeah, we're definitely amping it up again. It's it's not easy to amp it up every season, but. Um, we have, like I said, we've got great support with CBS. Sharon Buong over at CBS just pushes us, pushes us, pushes us. And um, it's good because we never settle for, what about this? Well, okay, but what about this on top of that? You know, so we're always kind of climbing that ladder for the next best thing. And hopefully everyone will be as excited as we are to, well, to I see just, it. I just came back from the scouts and I went around the globe twice in five and a half weeks, which is like super fast. And I'm still reeling from major jet lag. But uh, I showed it to Elise what we wrote up and you know, we do this in unison. But she said, wow, these are all big shows. Every one of them is a big show. You need to stop doing this. It's going to be very, very expensive. <laughs> yeah, I mean, every episode is like a, a an, it's an hour movie. You know, it's like, a, it's like an action film of comedy and action and drama. It's everything mixed into one. And it's, you know, the way that we film it. Our camera teams are so talented. It will look very cinematic and very movie-like with the editors and everything. Everybody um, really, we have the most talented people in the business working on the show, so we're very lucky to be able to create such a beautiful It's also, It's also that the people that work with us don't see it as a job. They, they want to do it. They ask me every time, Bert, please let me put me back on. They love to do this stuff. I mean, everybody. And we have a lot of people working on the show. We travel with a group of around 80 people, but globally we have between 2,500 and 3,000 people working on the show. So I do wish people could feel and smell, you know, the, all the senses that we experience on the road when we're in 107 degree heat in Bahrain, and you know we've got packs and packs of Gatorade or electrolytes for the camera crews who are running and contestants who are out in this burning sun or we're in bitter cold locations or super stinky locations. You know, there's, you know, there's an element of the show that, I, that you can only experience while you're out there filming that I hope comes across, but you know, it's pretty, it can be very brutal out there. It's, it's, it's all the elements hitting you hard. With, you also have to think straight and make decisions. 
every 10 hours you're in a different country. <laughs> I would love to see a virtual reality edition of this. I mean, wouldn't that, that, it sort of gets to what you're talking about. Or, you know, a little smell-o-vision. Smell-o-vision. No, that would, would be fantastic. I mean, really, yeah. you know, we filmed in Bangladesh and places like that. I mean, it's, it's, it's outrageous and stuff. I also want to show things that people in America have never seen or can relate to. I know. Some people say they're not fun countries to go to, to put it mildly. They're amazing countries with a lot of amazing people that are very generous, very kind, and very warm. And I, I like to show that. Because all we see on television is negative about third world, or it's not third world countries anymore, but other countries around the globe. And I think that is nonsense to a large degree, because they're all people trying to live a good life. It's actually a really good point. I mean, I think, you know, given all the headlines that we're dealing with right now, you know, how does that impact the show? How does it, you know, how do you want to show the world given that, you know, what's going on in America right now? Interesting, very interesting. People see this as a whole separate set because we show the, wor- we show the world the way it really is. And the other stuff is just like microscopic moments in cities and countries and what have you and wars, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, I've been in the, in the battlefield. I've been in wars. There's a, there's a pinpricks in certain countries. Uh, what we do is we show what it is. We're being received everywhere in the world with the greatest uh, kindness and, 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 and uh, support. And people are just, are just fantastic. So there's two worlds out there. There's the world that we deal with where everything is fine and we still ask for difficult, difficult things to see. And then there's this other world that you see on the news. It's completely different. We're very fortunate that we can show that side of things. So you can watch the news, but then you can also watch The Amazing Race and say, oh, it isn't so bad there. Or I would love to go to that country that I never thought about visiting before because I thought this or I heard this on the news. But obviously, you can go there and it's actually going to be a wonderful experience. You know, It doesn't always have to be about politics. You can go there and just go to a nice restaurant and see some of the cultural things that they have, you know, their iconic locations, go to India, go to the Taj Mahal, you know, just see But, you know, India is not, only, is not only the Taj Mahal, it has so much other things to offer, which is fascinating that we can learn from them, and that we, you know, they're respectful to us, we're respectful to them, you know, people sit in the car with me, they say they're, they're Muslims, we drive down the road, they said, do you mind if I go pray? Absolutely, stop the car, pull over, and they're praying on the side of the road. And I actually love these moments, instead of being irritated by it, I love it. I think it's fantastic to be part of that culture and that you, that you can be that close to it. There is a whole part of the world that is open-minded. It, and like Bertram said, it's a smaller part that is narrow-minded and doesn't want to accept people for their differences. And that's unfortunately what shows up in the news. And, and I'd like to think we, we represent the other 80% of the world and, and all the wonderful things that are out there and the, and the wonderful people. For sure. So which countries are some of your favorite to travel to, have been some of your favorite to travel to? Well, you know, I like Sicily. It's beautiful. It's fantastic. I like Mauritius. I like the southern part of, of, the, uh, of, the, of the Americas, uh, Patagonia, that area is beautiful, spectacular. And I love big cities, I love big cities. I love London, I love Amsterdam, Stockholm, uh, <laughs> you name it. You know, and I like Moscow too, I like it a lot. It's a, it's a vibrant city also. So I think for both of us, we just love going to all the places <laughs> that we travel to. It's, it, we've been asked this before, it's very hard to pick. Like, I love going to China and Japan and, you know, Australia, Italy, Vietnam, 
in name all Brazil. the countries in the world. <laughs> it's so hard to pick and choose because every place has something special to see or do, you know, a different language, different food, different religions, different cultural, you know. If you see in, in Sao Paulo in Brazil, which is this enormous city, but people actually, the only really ways you can travel through there is either by helicopter from roof to roof or on a motorcycle. Otherwise, you'd be stuck in the traffic. You know, it's uh, it's fascinating to see all these different ways of operating. Now, when you go to uh, to Bangladesh to Dhaka, they have six hundred thousand uh, rickshaws, and they all move all at the same speed through these streets. So everybody finds their way to do this. It's fascinating to see this. Faster to walk. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes. So yeah, there's there's. It's just hard to pinpoint one favorite place. But are there countries that are more conducive to filming in or make for better storytelling for what you want to accomplish? I think when we go to Africa, any country in Africa is always not not easy for filming or or for us for production-wise because it's just harder to, you know, it's a, it's a little Very bit... little experience, yeah. Yeah, lack of experience. But as far as story, to take people from the United States and take them into a place that they're really out of their comfort zone. They're, you know, in a safari camp or they're doing things that the locals do and it's in a tribe somewhere. Um, really, um, is it makes for great television because they're surprised and shocked and then kind of, you know, there's a sense of wonderment and love of being in a place that they never thought they would go to. You know, of course, when you go to a European country or something, it's, it's easier to, it's relatively easier to work there. Because you know we recognize that we like recognize home. what it is it feels, almost feels like home, and there's always, of course, in this country, some more developed, so there's more things to do. But Africa and uh, and Southeast Asia, I mean, it's 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 for comical relief uh, alone is very valuable. And also, like places like Thailand, where you're getting on a boat that has like an outboard motor and the smell of gasoline, and it's really loud, and you're going down these rivers, and people are selling fruit in little boats, like a floating market. It's just not what you typically see here, so those are wonderful. It never, it never ends. You know, it's, 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 I hope it never changes that much either, because what we are seeing is everything in, in a lot of the countries is becoming so modernized because the world is becoming smaller and smaller because of the Internet. Everybody is you know, wanting to go future, 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 and technology, but I'm really going to miss these little places like little floating markets and... In places where there is no technology. Well, the, the amount of people are traveling right now is just is mind-boggling. So, uh, years ago in Dubai, there was not much going on. It was kind of empty and it was kind of eerie looking. And now, when you go there, it is like packed with people from all from all over the globe. People, and you see, it's almost like they bring all these people together in these giant jets, and it's almost a where you all recognize people from India, people from Russia, people from Europe. Everybody's milling around, and uh, it's, it's just fascinating to see. It's almost a, a promotion for world peace, and everybody could get along. I mean, it's fascinating Actually, to see. over the last 17 years, since we've been going to Dubai, we've seen it go from a place that only looked like old town in Dubai, where there were no skyscrapers, that Palm Island was just a thought and, you know, something you could see on a drawing, to this super high-tech all these high-rise, tallest building in the world. It's just grown so quickly. It's been very interesting to see that change going back to over time and time and, again. And the amount of flying that people do around the globe is mind-boggling. Every airport, even if they're built for the future, are already being used by the thousands and thousands of people that are milling around. It doesn't matter where we go. So, you know, the, the global community is... We all recognize that there's value in what we're doing and be good to each other. 
Are there countries that are more challenging to film in? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of countries too. It's very, very, very difficult. I mean, the, the first thing is we have to have the permits, so we get the permits to film in these countries. But uh, logistically, it's very difficult to in in Asia. It can be very difficult. It can be very difficult in Africa also. India also uh, just just for visas alone takes can take up to you know five to ten weeks. So there are certain things that you have to really start preparing early on. And permits, they want to know where you're going when you're filming before you've even scouted. So you have to kind of give them a general idea of what you're thinking. Other places, you can show up and get an, a visa at the airport as you fly in. So, um, you know, there's there's there are big differences in certain places. And then there's places that welcome you with open arms that say, come come visit us, please. We'll help you. And maybe we can get you hotel rooms at a discount. There are obviously places that we don't go to. You know, we, we're not going to Afghanistan right now. Although a friend of mine <laughs> that lives there for many years, he said, why don't you come here? It's fantastic. <laughs> and the next thing, it was a huge, huge, yeah, huge explosion. No, we're still okay. No worries. Uh, so, yeah, obviously we're not going to Iraq. Unfortunately, we can't go. We're not going to, to uh, Iraq, Iran and places like that. Some of the places you just can't go to, um, unfortunately. But some other difficulties are just literally getting things translated into the language. So we might send over a contract to, it could even be like, you know, it could be China or any country where, you know, we have to get something translated by a legal team or seen by somebody else from the film commission. Um, and they want to know so many details. So there's, some places are easier than others. Well, a lot of stuff we have in Chinese and Arabic. I mean, we're well-versed in all these languages, you know, to deal with all the contextual issues with it. But uh, yeah, some some countries still have the old English bureaucracy, and it takes forever. Yeah. So North Korea is that where the decision is going to be set? <laughs> Once we have peace you know, or not? We have, we have gotten to the DMZ there, and that's about as far as I think we'll be. I mean, going. you're right at the DMZ yeah. where the fence was. You know, we we had to play. Uh, Interesting. You look over, and they have like facades of buildings, which actually are not buildings that yeah. look large and. Yeah, they have a whole, like, you can stand at the DMZ and you look over to North Korea and you see things that are not really real. A bunch of two-by-fours. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> what about some of the legs that you have been through, that the contestants have been through? What are some of the challenging legs that they've faced along the way? Well, they can't oversleep. Some of them just oversleep. I mean, we had some situations there, so that, that makes a mess, not just for them, but also for us, for production, <laughs> because we need to move everybody to the next country, because it's a race, it's not a, a vacation. So. I think they have to be very careful to try to take care of themselves while they're running around so much. I mean, we saw that with one of our contestants who got you know super dehydrated and basically passed out at one point, so it's um, making sure you're really, you know, you're on the go, but you still have to drink water, try to sleep whenever you can. So it, it's also when we change climate so quickly, we might go from like really, really cold, someplace in Iceland on a glacier, to then going down to Africa and they're in you know, super, super heat. And maybe they're you know, jumping into the river and they're getting wet and they're sweaty. Certain things can happen physically to people who just have become super exhausting. Or Bahrain, for example, was like unbearable heat. Um, when we were there and we're asking them to run around and some of them don't have hats on, they figured to wear sunscreen and so it's almost, uh, there's a lot of physical demands on I the also show. like it when people start hoarding food off the plane <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, why, are you, why are you taking this food? I mean this is already 
not so good. Okay, so now you're hoarding it. They, yeah, they take all the stuff on the plane. Yeah. And then uh, a couple of legs into it to figure out, oh, I don't need to do this. I can actually eat in these countries. But the paranoia, there's a degree of paranoia that exists from leaving this country that is very, really, uh, I mean, it's... This, it's a, there's it's something a, frightening for them, ripping open that envelope. You know, they've just been in a country for a day, and now we're going to rip open an envelope, and we don't know where we're going. I mean, we don't know what that feels like because we know where we're going, but I can't imagine the excitement, a little fear, excitement, you know, rip it open and say, like, go go to Nepal. It's like, oh, my God, you know, do I need oxygen, you know, that, climbing Mount yeah. Everest, I don't know. And that's with people that say, well, this plane looks like a double Y to me. You know what I'm saying? There's people that actually have never flown. <laughs> I mean, I look for people that have never done this stuff as much as possible. I don't know. We don't always succeed in that. But, uh, yeah, the, 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 that impression, you know, I've never been anywhere. I've never seen anything. And they're fearless. That's, that's, that's a great thing to see. I love when they go into a country and they don't speak the language. Could be China, and they just think by speaking louder, <laughs> that the, taxi, that. <laughs> the taxi cab driver is going to understand what they're saying. Take me to here, and in Spanish, prefer in some with some Spanish words. Yeah, speaking Spanish to a Chinese because of course driver. that language translates. Right. Screaming at a right. Japanese person with some Jap- with yeah. some Spanish words yeah. is. I am always surprised when they throw out a little like Arabic, like we had with Henry and Evan last season, because she she had gone like a, season, a semester abroad in Morocco. I think she was in Morocco, yeah. and she literally started throwing out some Arabic, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, that yeah. is impressive!" Yeah. Incredible. And Chinese, we have people that speak Chinese, yeah. a fair amount. Portuguese. Portuguese, yeah. Do you think being able to speak the language is something else that really helps contestants? I think it's a little bit of a benefit for a short amount of time. You know, especially if you're hopping in a cab and you want to say something, you're instantly being able to communicate with that person. But, you know, when it comes down to the challenges, ultimately they've got to do those on their own, and language is not going to make any difference. What I think helps is be nice to people. If they yeah. see you make that effort, if you, make, if you know one word in Arabic or one word, people find this, find this, find this really friendly, you know. So just be nice to people and take your time to talk to people. But I see a lot of them, they get some information from somebody, boom, and they run away. Oh, we're in a race! And these people say, oh, we're in a race, it doesn't mean anything to me. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Would you guys ever do the race yourselves? Not yeah. together. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but separate with a different team. Yeah. yeah. I don't I know who I would take. Who would you take, Bert? I don't know who I would take. I would I would prefer to take you, but I don't I think it's not gonna work out. <laughs> you know what? Yeah, we'd we'd know geography so well and all the airports locations and everything so well, but probably who would drive the car and make the final decision about what detour or who would do the roadblock, we wouldn't be able to uh, agree on that. I can literally look out the window of an airplane and know exactly where I am when I wake up. I mean, that's, that's, that I know for sure. But you know, uh, yeah, there has to be a, there has to be a logic in the team somehow. They can't argue. I mean, they all argue a little bit. It's not the show is not about arguing, but they argue nevertheless. Well, you can't help yourself because you know everybody has their own opinions about what's what they feel they're better at and what they want to do. So ultimately, it is about relationships and people getting along, doing things. And one example of that is getting along. So we have cars, rental cars. We tell them, you know, you need to drive a stick shift. Are you? Yeah, yeah. We know how to drive a stick. Then the next thing I see is. And they have to work together. One is sitting in the car, and the other is pushing the car backwards because they don't know how to put the thing in reverse, <laughs> which is the, this is the most ridiculous thing. And it happens every race. 
there's people that don't know how to get the car in reverse. These are modern cars. Well, you have that with the firefighters, oh and you would have thought they could drive a stick because every you know, time they turn the car, they got to push it. They want to get out of the car, you know, and push it. I said, in the beginning, I said, what are they doing? Is, is something wrong with the engine? No, no, they, they don't know how to put the thing in reverse. That was actually a very funny moment, and that's something you can't write. That just happens in the moment, and it was actually really smart of them. Okay, get out of the car. Let's push it backwards. Well, it's not just them. It's I like a lot of people. <laughs> but I loved how they solved the problem, you know, you know, being very... We had another team that drove 300 miles in first gear of a car because they were too afraid to get it in second gear and didn't know what the, what the consequences would be to go next year. So they drive at 7,000 RPM <laughs> flat out. <laughs> and the cameraman told me that every time I stop at the traffic light, he fears for his neck because they're going to pop the clutch and this car leaps forward and then dies. <laughs> so it's that kind of stuff. So it's the simple stuff that makes you lose the race. Or when they put diesel in a regular yeah. gas car and the yeah, sign clearly says, do not put diesel in this car. You know. so, so what we've learned is learn how to drive a stick strip, speak the language, and don't oversleep. Those are your tips. Yeah. And read your clue. Read your clue. And read your clue. <laughs> I would start with read your clue. Read your clue. Most important tip. Well, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure as always. Yeah, thank, thank you. Thanks for listening to this week's show. We'll be back next time with another great episode. We'll be talking about the good fight with the cast and creators. See you next time. This week's episode is brought to you by the 10-time Emmy Award-winning Outstanding Reality Competition Program, The Amazing Race. Executive producers Bertram Van Munster and Elise Doganieri, along with Emmy-nominated host Phil Kogan, take viewers on an adventure around the world filmed entirely on location. In the recently completed 30th edition, teams travel to 10 countries, 21 cities, and more than 29,000 miles. For your Emmy consideration in all categories. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.